0: On today's show, learn the proven formula for pricing service labor rate. Now, folks, there is a formula to follow when pricing your service labor rate. And we have the one and only Mr. Gary Alex on the show to teach us all about how it ought to be done. Take it away, Gary. I appreciate everybody spending some time with us today. Uh, it's an appropriate topic because we're going to be talking about something that's uh, relative to inflation and gas prices and just the changes that are going on inside of the environment uh, for the industry, but not not just us, but everywhere. Um, just how service pricing is organized inside of a business. So, um, one of the things that we can say historically is that uh, the industry has struggled in the service business making money. Uh, not all companies, but generally speaking. Uh, most companies have lots of service calls and don't necessarily know how to price that. So I uh, appreciate the Contracting University, EGIA, you know, using this as an opportunity to make sure there's education in the trades. Uh, David's correct. I, I actually chose EGIA and the Contracting University to to sell my training assets and to partner up with to be able to scale information and be able to get people in a position in the industry to be more successful. So that's kind of my passion in life. Uh, first discussion point is kind of the agenda for the day. The uh, the baseline in any business is really going to be the financial structure of a company, knowing your numbers. So we're going to talk about departmentalizing demand service as a business. And when we talk about that, that's really an overhead problem. Most companies with QuickBooks can get down to the gross profit line. That's generally pretty easy to do. Uh, sales, cost of goods sold, get me to gross profit. I understand what's going on. Um, the problem is, what what are the cost structures? So, unfortunately, a lot of businesses don't necessarily have the accounting uh, savvy, you know, within the organization to break down overhead. So we tend to teach that at the EGI level through the budget process. You know, we we established a worksheet basically to do exactly what we're talking about and being able to take demand service and find out what it costs a company to run a service call you know, for the overhead to be able to produce that call. Uh, so obviously we have tech wages, we have benefits, you know, we're probably going to have a part to repair, et cetera. Uh, but the hard part is figuring out what it costs me to actually go from point A to point B, what the overhead model is. So you got CSR, you got customer service, you got dispatch, we've got software, CRM, probably have insurance, et cetera. So we have these costs and figuring out how to allocate that. So the second part of that conversation is gonna be KPIs. Uh, a lot of companies can benefit using a KPI, and I think it's important to understand that's a key performance indicator. And within service, I'm gonna give you uh, some documents, as David mentioned. Um, the KPIs, if you if you spend some time and do the actual trial, um, there's gonna be an allocation of overhead article and also a KPI chart for service, but also for the other 17 uh, industry segments and verticals. That That's priceless information. Um, over the last you know, 39 years or so, we've been uh, organizing that data set to be able to prove, just like a franchise, just think about a McDonald's, to be able to make money in a business and predict what's going to happen based on a set of numbers, that's what a KPI gives you. So if you compare your company to the KPI and it's not functioning the way you want it to, that gives you insights into where you might want to see what's happening inside of the business financially. Uh, So we're also going to talk about efficiency and productivity. Those are two different things. The efficiency affects the way we price for sure. Productivity is obviously something that we're we're seeking. So both of those are important measurements. And then I'm going to go ahead and break down the formula, uh, which is sort of the cornerstone of this particular topic, how to actually create a street rate that's based on profitability. Uh, So there's also this issue of parts that's going on right now. Um, In my company's you know, parts are changing weekly. It's, I've never seen anything like it. Most people probably haven't, you know, unless you've been around uh, longer than I have. Uh, The industry cost structures are changing, you know, just uh, literally. And, And the suppliers don't always do a great job of notifying us. So oftentimes it's something that we have to be investigating and catch in order to make those parts cost adjustments. And I see that as a real problem in a lot of companies in the last six to 12 months. You know, we're seeing that the labor rates may adjust, but the parts costs need to also be maintained. And then that last conversation is I'd like to spend a little time talking about the difference between creating a rate, which is based on costs and making sure that the companies that are attending here understand how to create that profit, but also what will the market bear? Um, so as we see in you know shortages with commodities and things along those lines, the marketplace will accept a higher price point. Uh, I'm not in any way, shape, or form uh, saying to you, you should raise your prices to gouge a customer. That's exactly the opposite of what I'm saying. However, from a profitability point of view, for example, when I'm above 15% profit, I take that and I drive that back to my employee bonus programs. So if I can produce a 20% profit, that improves the bonus program. If I'm at 21 or 22, again, that's more money for me to distribute amongst my team. And in the competitive environment that we're living in relative to finding labor, Recruiting, paying bonuses—there's um, some insane things happening in the marketplace from a recruiting point of view. The ability to produce a profit allows you to be more flexible at being able to do those types of things. So, <clears throat> so excuse me. That's the agenda for today. Um, certainly, we're going to take some questions as well if we have time. So let's talk about support materials. Um, again, if you uh, if you're willing to uh, step up and join uh, and do the free trial, we'll give you an article on service pricing, which is going to be a recap of pretty much everything we're going to go through today. Uh, The budget tool that we use to break down uh, uh, revenues, cost of goods sold, uh, GP and overhead, and obviously profit relative to each department. The key performance indicators for the demand service, but also all the other departments, as I mentioned, there are 17 charts. Uh, So plumbing, electrical, commercial service, commercial replacement, maintenance, et cetera. Those are all part of the breakdown. So all those KPIs are there. And then the, there's a pricing tool calculator. Um, I built this years ago for my service manager to do exactly what we're talking about today. And the purpose of that was to be able to say, if we improve efficiency, if we're able to dispatch better, uh, save on travel time, uh, geographic thought process, you know, can we put a position uh, schedule together where a technician has competency ratings, those types of things, uh, performance-based pay. Just looking at inventory on the trucks, is it the right inventory for the 80-20 principle? All of those are efficiency opportunities. So that model that I've given you here, uh, you can punch in the labor rate, and then as you change your efficiency, it tells you what the gain in profit is if you maintain the rate. So if I go from $150 in Sarasota to $425 in Sarasota, which is where I'm at today right now, um, there obviously is a gain in sales revenue. There's a gain in gross profit. Um, assuming overhead stays the same, there's a gain in profit too. But if I improve efficiency, I get to keep additional profit. And so that's what that's about. And then the last tool that I've put together is a raising prices tool versus lost customers. Um, during my coaching career through Lennox in the 80s and 90s, service experts, and then even you know when I started being, doing my own thing as an entrepreneur uh, in the year 2000, what I found was a lot of uh, contractors are afraid to raise price for fear of losing customers. So I built a financial model that actually produces the content to say, well, if you raise your prices 10%, how many customers could you afford to lose and still make more money? Uh, So that tool is really a a tool that allows a service manager and an operator to look directly at the the issue of raising price and saying, well, if I raise price 20% and I lose 5% of my customers, that's probably a really smart decision. Uh, now, you're obviously thinking about, well, those people probably create referrals and they may write negative reviews. But the truth of the matter is people that complain about price generally complain about price no matter what the price is. And so you're not really doing anything except calling the herd and basically carving off you know clients that are probably barking at you anyway. So um, I'm not sure that that's a negative as much as it we perceive it to be. So, it's, um, so I've heard people use the word head trash. I'm not going to call it head trash. I will call it a fear of change, and so it gives you an opportunity to kind of look and see what happens ahead of time. So with that, um, the very first uh, topic is departmentalization. So I'm going to give you a tool, and it's this This is a slice of that tool. What we're looking at here in the yellow area that's highlighted is the overhead as it relates to service. So the challenge in contracting is breaking down overhead amongst add-on replacement, maintenance, service. I do you know plumbing. Uh, drain sewer and drain. We're also in the commercial service, commercial maintenance. Each one of those departments has an overhead ratio or overhead dollars that apply. And I think the tricky part about service as we set rates is that we understand that we we need to know what it costs us on an overhead basis to run a call. And so in my case, down in Sarasota, it's an average of a two-hour call. It's just, just slightly above two hours. So what does it cost the company to take the vehicle and put that in position you know, at the home or at the business, create the repair, obviously, but run the call for the two hours? There's obviously a sale, there's a part, there's tech wage, there's benefits, et cetera. And that's what's above. But the real issue is getting down to the overhead. Uh, so if my rate is not set properly to cover the overhead, I literally can be running calls and be busy in the summer season peak and losing $10 or $15 per service call. So it's death by a 1,000 paper cuts. So part of the rationale of doing a webinar like this and just pushing content out you know, to the trade is to just recognize that overhead doesn't apply the same way in service as it does in replacement. So I'll give you my specific numbers. I, obviously, when we do workshops, um, we teach financial classes. We often bring financial statements in and we break this down in the budget tool that you're looking at. And it's a it's a guess, but it's better than not doing it. Uh, so my overhead in my replacement division is about 21% of the of the sales and replacement, and it's about 52% of the cost of the service revenue. So those two ratios are incredibly different. You know, if you if you're using a company overhead that's a one bucket company, um, you're probably not looking at your service business under the microscope. Uh, with clarity that you need. So we want to break down overhead, we want to departmentalize. And that's the first step in really gaining control of knowing your numbers. So the, the basis of selling is fantastic. Selling is is amazing when you're good at it. But if you're selling at a price point that's not covering the overhead, you're actually harming the business and harming the cash flow. So I've seen that through my career in many, many cases. And so that's part of the reason why we want to start with knowing the numbers. So the second layer of that is Understanding how that allocation works, uh, this webinar is not going to address that. It's, uh, it's too complicated to do in an hour. We typically do that in class. However, the article that's part of the free trial I'm sending to you, it's about 13 pages long and breaks down you know, how to look at each account and ask the question, you know, if I spend money on marketing uh, and I drop a direct mail postcard for maintenance, that's not going to go into the overhead for service. That's going to go into the overhead for maintenance. If, however, I do what I did in spring of uh, 2021, which is about 40,000 service coupon mailers, you know, $50 off of a service repair, uh, and that marketing goes out across zip codes, and let's just say I spent $20,000 on that, that overhead would, in fact, go into the demand service department. uh, And I have to absorb that in my pricing model. I have to figure that as part of that. So I would just say that, you know, full point A there, allocating overhead is messy, um, I like to be in the room when we're doing the physical boot camp classes and we're training the financial discussions to create the uh, the opportunity to a- answer questions about how do I put this number in. Uh, but I can assure you that the overhead in service is going to be higher than the overhead in almost any department that you have. So the process of sitting down and breaking it down as a budget is to me step one and then estimating the costs is something that you know more about your business than I do. So you being able to allocate that overhead, even if it's a best guess method, uh, it's really a approach that I would advocate. And then that gets you the opportunity to start thinking differently. And that's really the goal is to think about how that cost of running the service call is organized. Um, So I can tell you my current overhead in the two Sarasota companies that I'm involved with is about $170 overhead uh, to run that call. Uh, you put that with the tech wage and add that up together. And that starts adding up pretty quickly in terms of creating a price that covers the cost. So the third area is the wage. Now there's a couple ways that we could approach this and there's not a right or a wrong. It's kind of like do what's in your best interest. So you can take the average of all the service technicians, you know, that are part of your time payroll system and do an average. So if you're averaging $30 an hour in terms of all your payroll for your service technicians, you can use that number in the, in the calculation that I'm going to show you a bit later. Um, I typically take the highest W-2 wage. So whatever my highest paid individual is in the service department, that's the one I'll use. And the reason I do that is it forces me to recognize I can't control who I'm dispatching to the job and I I never really know if it's somebody that's going to be $25 an hour or somebody that's going to be $60 an hour. So the basis of that uh, is to be able to look at what the cost is for the direct labor as it relates to service. So in this case, you know, we're we're probably going to use in the tool, I think I've embedded in there $35 an hour as the average, uh, but you can pay a lot of different ways. And so I would encourage you as a business to simply look at what the cost structure is for your actual W-2. This does not include benefits. So insurance, allocated benefits, uh, 401K, um, You know, if you have dental plans, medical plans, et cetera, none of that is included in this particular number. So we're only looking at the W-2 wage that you would pay an individual. And uh, the tool that I'm sending to you later, um, you'll have the ability, It's it's wide open, it's not protected, so you can change the wages. So if you're recruiting people or you intend on giving raises or you feel like inflation is attacking uh, you know your, your folks or people are recruiting and you need to increase wages, you can play around with that. And it will change the rate that you need to establish. So it's really designed and built to be a model, uh, not an end point. And so this brings us to bullet point four, which is the KPI process. And so, again, I'm going to go back to KPIs. So back in the 70s. Uh, Train and Carrier were super active at developing uh, business models for their contractors. You had the Train Comfort Corps. You had the Carrier Group doing a lot of work. Uh, As we moved into the 90s, Lennox got very active uh, in that process. I I was a part of that. Uh, And then as consolidation occurred in the mid-90s, and obviously consolidation is occurring again, um, what we have is access to hundreds and hundreds of companies' uh, financial statements that are very successful. And so what we do is we take those common themes And we build a model around that and we ask the question, you know, why are you able to produce 20% pre-tax profit inside of your service business and company over here cannot? What are the differences? So key performance indicators are not the same as goals. They're not the same as metrics. Uh, Metrics are just placeholders along a continuum. And a KPI is, in fact, a destination. So we don't want to be less than the KPI. We want to be on KPI or better. And so that's a journey. Um, if you look at companies that uh, that I've been involved with, um, our labor cost at one point in Phoenix was 42% of sales. Um, that's just the total sales. So if you were looking at this KPI, which is only the labor sale, just the labor portion of the ticket. So imagine a condenser fan motor goes for $700. The labor portion of that might be $400. The part portion might be $300. Together, it makes up the 700 dollars So the 22% that we're talking about here is highlighted in yellow is only against the labor retail. So we're strictly looking at the street labor rate and saying that a technician wage can be 22% of that and we'd be fine. So if I'm paying $100 or if I'm charging $100 labor retail, that would be $22 uh, an hour wage. If I'm charging $400 retail, Theoretically, I could be paying up to $88 in wage. That's the relationship there. So we're not dealing with parts. Uh, We're not looking at parts as part of the KPI. And there's a reason for that. People ask, well, why don't you include parts? And the answer is, is because we don't know how to predict which part will be the failure. But we know the labor is always attached equally to the task time, meaning that on flat rate, it's an hour for me to predict a condenser fan motor. So because I can, I can rely on that piece of data and I can predict it, I can look at companies across the United States and say, Miami, Chicago, Boston, LA, San Francisco, Dallas, Texas, you know, we know it's about the same amount of time to replace a condenser fan motor. You know, arguably, you're going to vary 15 minutes here or there, but on an average basis over time, it looks pretty equal. So the KPI is based on labor and labor against the labor retail portion. So it's important to make that distinction because sometimes when people look at this chart, they get a little confused by that and they think that's of the total revenue of service and it's not. It's strictly looking at the labor portion. So the flat rate systems that are out there are all very good. I'm not an advocate or you know, I don't don't really care about which one you use or you're in love with. I think they're all very effective. I think the tool is effective if you use the tool properly. Um, It's no different than any other tool that we have in HVAC or plumbing. So the competency here is to understand the labor that we're paying our technicians and how that labor relates to the actual uh, billable street rate. So when later when I show you how to create a street rate, what's important is that we understand that that 22% is the key number in that discussion. So there's a whole bunch of other data points in there, but as you'll see later, um, we're gonna use that as the basis point to create our rate. That way, if you establish your rate, and you manage your labor properly, you're probably going to be inside of the KPI on a general basis. Your service department will make money in that regard. So that's really the goal of this is to be able to identify how can any company with any accounting structure, maybe not a departmental company, successfully create a rate and know for sure that they're producing the profit that they want. And that number four in this bullet point is how we do that. And so that brings me, to the next data point, which is efficiency. Uh, We're looking for 80% efficiency or greater. That's a tough nut. Uh, It's very difficult to achieve that. However, that's where maximum profitability occurs in service. Um, The industry average is about 50%. um, So we have to take into account non-billable time. So non-billable time is training time. Non-billable time is travel time. Uh, If I send a technician, I actually have a technician at my house today, right now, uh and uh he's replacing a circuit board uh on one of the VRV systems that's uh, part of my new property and so it's it hadn't been heating and cooling properly hadn't been keeping temperature in certain zones diagnostic identified that um this is a warranty call so because it's a warranty call that's a non-doable call that counts against your efficiency ratio so this is a classic example it's literally happening as we speak Uh, So, you know, we went through the whole diagnostic system, looked at the pressure temperature relationships, what's going on, you know, did we weigh in the charge properly, et cetera. We finally got down to the fact that it's it's a actual component that's not functioning properly. And so, you know, now we have to go get the component or figure out how to deal with that. That could be a second warranty call. And that's going to kill off efficiency. So the reason it's not 100% efficiency is we know we have training, we know we have warranty, we know we have callbacks, even though there's no good reason for a callback. We have them. And so you know we get frustrated by that, but they're there. We have all kinds of things that affect travel time. So if I'm sitting on the I-10 or the I-5 or the Long Island Expressway, I don't control the traffic events, but that's going to impact the technician's ability on his travel time. So because of that, um, we're always going to look at the hours that we bill. And so the billable hours are going to be annotated in the service tightened, or you're going to be using Successware, Aptura, or Fixify, or any of the platforms that are out there. Uh, They're all going to be able to give you demand service hours billed, and you're going to have to look at what you paid in that service department. So if you look at the company that is in Sarasota, we're running at about 33% efficiency there, mostly because we have warranty and callback issues going on inside of that business at this point. Um, It's a new acquisition. Um, We just acquired a business in Kansas City recently, and that business has a much better efficiency ratio, but it's a more mature company, so they're running a service department that has a better approach, better trained technicians, et cetera, so it's not a question of are we efficient, it's a question of how do we identify where you are, and then how do we improve that, and so that worksheet that I gave you, or will give you, uh, will identify for you when you improve efficiency one two three four twenty 20%, whatever it is, you're going to see the profitability change. And so that gives you this mindset that you need to work through how to improve efficiencies. And so that brings us then to number six, which is how do I understand where my rate is producing the profit that I need? So I've talked about the idea that you can create a rate based on wage and based on KPI, but I need you to understand that Uh, Revenue is nice, but gross profit is how we pay the bills. So EBIT and cash flow is what we're after. So the target rate needs to establish at least a minimum of 100 gross profit dollars per hour on a service call. So if I'm on a two hour call, I need at least 200 gross profit dollars to be produced to cover up that one hundred and seventy dollars. So, again, I introduced the fact that my cost was one seventy dollars. Your cost may be 150, it may be 100, it may be 230. I I don't know. That's part of why you departmentalize. That's why bullet point one is number one. We need to know our costs. Once we understand our costs, then we can start worrying about how to set a price. So for me, and historically the KPI, 100 GP dollars per hour minimum is the threshold. Uh, Am I happy if it's 200? Yes, of course. I want that to be no less than 100 gross profit dollars per hour. So that's where margin percentages begin to fool people. So you could be at 60 percent margin in your service department, but you're not producing enough gross profit dollars because the parts are small or the rate itself is too low. And so you're actually still losing money. So you need to understand that sales minus cost of goods sold give us the gross profit. And then we're going to divide that out by the hours paid. And that's going to give you a company gross profit dollar per hour number. So again, look at your service department hours. This is strictly service department. So maintenance does not count in this equation. So only demand service. We're going to treat maintenance as a separate area. And uh, that's a conversation that we can have, you know, uh, in a workshop or, you know, on an online type event uh, when we have more time. But the reality is, if we look at straight up service sales, the revenue we produce, the cost of goods, you know, that's the tax, the parts, the benefits, the warranties, the callbacks, you know, any commissions that you might pay, et cetera. uh, That's going to net out to be a gross profit number for the department. We're going to divide that by the hours and that's going to give me a number. Um, If we are below $100 per hour, then we're going to need to look at, well, how do we improve rates? How do we improve efficiency? How do we improve productivity? awesome content right there. As always, be sure to share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, click the button below to get a 30-day free trial, giving you access to all of our amazing content. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. We'll see you soon. Until then, bye-bye for now.